Hey everyone, welcome to the Unseen Collective. Uh, so glad to see you and to have you join us on today's podcast. My name is Ty Austin, and it's great to be with you. And hey, you guys. Hey, Tiffany. Hey, hey, Rama. Hey, hey, Ty. So good to be here tonight. I'm excited for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for being on. So. Um, as you may have heard, guys, we do this podcast to really bring light and resource and voice to those that feel and are unseen, not only in culture, but also even within the church. And so each of these podcasts are going to highlight different areas where people have been or are unseen and hopefully to bring um, healing, restoration, uh, to bring resource to those who are in that situation. So we're praying that it's redemptive in nature. Um, tonight, our podcast, or today our podcast, really is centering around something that is all too prominent, um, especially within the church, uh, but that's around the abuse of power and leadership abuse. And so we know this is a sensitive topic for people. We know that this is um, something that Many people, as even those of you who are listening, have experienced or have friends who have experienced. Um, and so we're wanting to hopefully bring just some light to it and bring some voice to it and to shine the light on those who have felt unseen. So, uh, Tiffany, I know that you and I have similar stories and unfortunately have experienced some of this ourselves, but um, I know you this is something that's near and dear to your heart because of your experience. So would you share with us just kind of how this has played out in your own life and where you personally uh, saw firsthand what the abuse of power looks like? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it was now 20 years ago, but honestly the scars still seem super fresh just because of the depth of the impact that it's had on my life. But uh, when I was, 12, my parents decided it was time for us to leave the church that I had grown up in. We had been there since I was three months old. So it was literally the only thing I had known in as far as church life. And leaving there was pretty traumatic as it was. I didn't want to go. But, you know, the pastor there was kind of going through some stuff, breaking away and not doing it in godly order. So my parents as leaders weren't comfortable staying there. So they made the decision we would leave. And in the interim, of course, they didn't want us out of church. So they decided we would go to a church where the pastor was actually my principal when I was a kid. So he's known me since the day I was born. And when we first got there, my mom had a conversation with him just explaining like, hey, we need a covering church until we know exactly where God is going to bring us, exactly where he's going to have us. So it was set out from there that that's where we would go. And it, it was all right. You know, it was what it was. But then the time came where God led us to our home church, which is where I, I'm still to this day. And out of respect, out of honor, my mom went and had another meeting with this pastor and explained, you know, God showed us where we're supposed to be. This is going to be great for our kids. Like this is exactly where we need to be in this season. And his response to her was, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing and your children are never going to amount to anything. And what that did to me as a 14-year-old hearing, one, the words of a pastor, and two, the words of someone who had known me since my first breath, 
say that I would amount to nothing. It shattered me in so many ways. I'm grateful because God preserved me. So my my perspective was, okay, God, it's going to be you and I. We're going to rock out because Christians, that ain't it. If a pastor can be that way, if a pastor can say those things, I don't want anything to do with people who call themselves Christians. It's just got to be you and I. And, you know, again, just I'm super grateful for how intentionally God loves me. And what he did was he brought in this church, he brought me my husband. I didn't know at the time that that's who he would be, but he was persistent in breaking down my walls to find out what happened that made me so closed off because I was perfectly fine with going to youth group. It meant I got to worship. It meant I got the word. And that was all I wanted. But the people there were so intentional about loving me beyond my walls that it helped break them down. And it helped bring me to a place of healing where I was able to, you know, write a letter of forgiveness to this person. And, you know, what he did with it, that's between him and Jesus. (laughs) But, uh, it was, it was extremely damaging for me. And actually, to this day, the impact that it had on my siblings, they're no longer walking in relationship with the Lord. Um, and a lot of it is a direct result of that abuse of power and just that utter disregard, because he also told the people in the church that they were no longer allowed to speak to us. So we lost lifelong relationship. We lost long-term friendships because they were following the word of the man instead of the word of the father. So it was super hurtful. But again, I'm, I'm grateful for how God preserved me, how he's healed me through the years. Um, but it's real. It's out there. And what it does is just so incredibly damaging. Um, so I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to share it because I do hope that it speaks life into someone that there is healing on the other side of this. There is the opportunity for reconciliation and restoration, and God can do what only he can do, right? So we're fully aware man will always fail us. So we should kind of walk in life with that expectation. We love them anyway. We show up for them anyway. We allow people to be, um, we, we make ourselves vulnerable. We make ourselves able to be hurt by people with the full understanding that man will always fail us, but God never, ever, ever will. So I can't expect perfection from human beings, but I do hope and pray that they are modeling Christ if they are calling themselves Christians. Well, and you're exactly right. And like I said, my story is similar. And for me, it happened when I was 17 years old and I was on the doorstep of moving across the country to go to a ministry training uh, university and to really make this my life's work, you know, to go into the ministry. And so to be her at such a fundamental level uh, really causes you to evaluate, is this what I want to be a part of? And so I can really empathize with people who um, don't have the roots and the foundation or the relationship with God um, or whatever it may be. Uh, And I don't say that derogatory about them, but for whatever the instance may be that they can't make that call. It was too hurtful, too wounding, too jolting. And so my heart goes out to those, maybe like your siblings and others who that was, that was a hill too, too far to climb at this time of their life. Um, cause I know for me, I was very thankful that I was able to, um, have the space and had the parents, my parents helped walk me through it. Um, 
to get to the other side. But Irama, um, I know this is something that we've talked about and that you've shared, but a lot of this goes to the call within even scripture and the responsibility that pastors or um, another word is shepherds have when it comes to leading people. So I know you have some unfortunate statistics of the state of the church and what is happening within um, the church right now and just some things that the Lord's put on your heart. So we'd love to hear from you of just uh, some of these things that you found as you've researched this. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I mean, as, as you were both um, sharing and with courage, I I understand fully aware that these conversations are very difficult, uh, very difficult conversations to have. There was a quote that I mentioned um, in our video before that says, when we avoid difficult conversations, we trade short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction. So these are conversations that are difficult but must be had. I as well know of of people close to me. I mean, I'm I'm not going to tell their stories out of respect and being sensitive to their to their trauma, but people close to me that I could call call them up right now and, and in my inner circle that have that I know and can confirm they've been through sexual abuse within the con the context of church. Uh, as well as bullying within the context of church, a church environment, and the damages that it can cause and replicate down the road where the person, I, I know of a person that uh, it was done to them very young. The trauma was so severe that the person went into drugs and alcohol and to the streets. It affected, and then it went into their family where it affected their children and such. So the, the damage, it's it's, it's extreme. So if we take a look at some statistics, we go into, um, I'm going to read these out of um, notinourchurch.com. Uh, we have statistics such, such as 7,000 claims of sexual abuse by church staff, congregation members, volunteers, or clergy made to just three insurance companies over a 20-year period. So right there, you can see over a 20-year period, with just three insurance companies, they have 7,000 claims. We also, uh, they also say 300 alleged child sexual abuse cases in Protestant Christian congregations found an overwhelmingly majority took place on church grounds or at offenders' home. Most frequently carried out by Caucasian male clergy or youth pastors. 3% of women who had attended a congregation in the past month reported they had been the object of clergy sexual misconduct. 92% of these sexual advances had been made in, in secret and 67% of the offenders were married at the time of the advance. And once again, we're talking about in the, within the context of a church congregation. We're not even speaking about... Uh, as far as just general national statistics, we're speaking about within the context of, of where we are right now, church. Um, of the entire sample, 8% report having known about clergy sexual misconduct occurring in a congregation they attended. In average, American congregations of 400 congregants, on average, 32 people have experienced clergy sexual misconduct. 
in their community of faith. So as we can see, it's something, I mean, it started off with the, with the Me Too movement, which then uh, carried over to the Church Church Too movement. And we, we've seen countless of countless of, of things emerging, right? Uh, the Southern Convention, the Southern Baptist Convention. You have Ravi Zacharias. You have so many examples of of Hill, Hill Song was another one of church misconduct not being handled appropriately, appropriately sexual abuse not being handled appropriately, being shrugged under the carpets, and it's it's something that's really prevailing um, right now, and it's something that needs our attention. Yeah, absolutely. It's really devastating just to think about those numbers and remember that they're not numbers, they're people. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's easy to get caught up in a statistic Mm -hmm. and forget that those are more than just numbers. They are people. They are image bearers of Christ. They are the ones who God loves. They're the ones who he created, who he intentionally knit together. And yet, People who are supposed to be caring for their souls are abusing that opportunity right? and shattering the person, shattering the image bearer of Christ. And I think that's part of the problem is sometimes we forget to view people as image bearers of Christ because right. we would never treat Christ that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but treating his children that way, it's just well, the same. Exactly right. And I know you guys have children, as do I. And uh, when I think about, especially young people, and you said those statistics, Irana, about abuse, um, particularly physical, um, those are our sons and daughters, you know? And as church leaders, there's a responsibility of like these, these are our daughters. These are our sons that are being um, victimized, and not only in that physical sphere, which is obviously a horrible um, breach and and criminal, um, but also those who are being taken advantage of or being like Tiffany's family, silenced and shunned. Um, you know, these, these are our family members. That's what makes it so personal to me. And so, um, Irana, I know that, um, when we've talked before, there was scripture that you really felt like was speaking to this and, and really even what God is probably saying to the church and why, why all of this is coming out right now. Like what, what's the bigger picture um, beyond just the reactive position that we have all had. But what is it that you feel like God is saying and, and is he in this? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it goes back to exactly what you guys were talking about, that this is, uh, these are, these are children, these are souls, right? And their creator, which is God is not having it. I mean, you have his son, Jesus coming into the temple, flipping tables because people were selling Right on in the in the courts of the of the of the sanctuary, he's not going to stand back and just let it happen to his children. So there there will come a point where God's uh, how do I put it? It's it's like it's like a a, a a a spiritual rage. It's like this this passion for his bride that moves him 
into into wanting to reach those who are hurt and those who are to come that don't need to be hurt as well. So and and to hold the church accountable for truth. We're, we serve a God of truth. We serve a God of light. And for us to for us to to think that a God of truth and light wouldn't wouldn't try to shake up whatever is in the dark, wouldn't try to shake up whatever is being hidden is is just silly, right? <laughs> it's just it's just plain silly because he's a God of love. And if his church bride is is has stains on their white clothing, it has to be addressed. So um, I, I, I said in the video that as a parent of five, whenever I would catch my kids doing something wrong, I always try to implement scripture or, or try to re- relate it back to how God deals with us. And I always told them, you know, the reason why I found this out is not a mother's instinct. It's actually the Holy Spirit leading me into trying to find this out out of love. So everything that's happening is out of God's love because we know that scripture says that whom God loves, he disciplines, right? So we we have to, as a church, heed. Look, (laughs) there was a scripture in Ezekiel 34 that just blew my mind when when I read it. And it just like, you ever read something that just completely captures your spirit and it's like, oh my God. (laughs) So if we go to Ezekiel 34, I'm just going to read some of it, if if I may. It says here, it's it's speaking to the shepherds of Israel. So we're speaking to pastors, right? Mainly because we're talking mainly to the leaders who can then affect, right? As, as their sheep, the membership of the church and do something about what's happening. Um, so he's speaking here to shepherds. It says, Ezekiel 34, it says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord, us shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherd feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Can I please repeat that? It says, with force and harshness you have ruled them so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts my sheep my sheep were scattered they wandered over all the mountains on every high hill my sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek for them listen further down I was reading this today again. It says, I myself will, I'm reading from 15, verse 15. It says, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will destroy and I will feed them in justice. 
Now you tell me if that's not a God that's just enraged <laughs> and in complete protection, like Daddy Bear <laughs> coming to the rescue of his children. And yes, that's the Old Testament, but if we remember well, Scripture, Jesus talks about this as well in Matthew 25, where it tells you, you the righteous, it says, you the righteous, not speaking to the world, it says, you the righteous have not clothed me, you have not fed me. And then they ask them, what do you mean we haven't clothed you, we haven't fed you, right? You guys remember that? And it says, because you didn't do this to the least of these, you haven't done it to my, to me. It says, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. So this is this is a no no, right? This is this is not a point of of this is not a game. This is this is very serious. And um as we speak to it, um I'm I'm saddened, I am I am shaken, I I I humbly I am not a professional by it by any means in, in this topic, but I am very passionate to advocate for those who are hurting, for those who are who are lost. I say it in love. I say it from, from a place of whatever I read to you is because I applied it to myself first and because we need to wake up. As the Church of Christ, we really need to wake up and understand that this is important and we cannot just shrug it under the carpet anymore. We cannot just avoid the topic anymore. We cannot just act like it's not happening. The world is looking upon us and to be the light. And if we're going to be light and truth, then we need to call it what it is. We need to... Uh, take the proper steps to be able to handle these things properly, and we need to get moving because we have not we have not done it properly for a long time now, and it's it's shameful. It is shameful. You know, I think the clarity that that brings is it helps us back out of any personal um experience where someone says, Oh, that got found out or, Oh, look at this, or look how this, this happened in this denomination and that. And you start to realize that it's possible that it's God who's, who's really the one bringing these things to a corrective place in such a broad scale that it has nothing to do with any one organization or group. It's basically, he is holding to account those who's who have called themselves shepherds and pastors and leaders and holding us to the standard that is within scripture. And I'm like you or I'm like, uh, Lord search me. You know, I don't know. It brings a holy fear of like, Oh God, uh, I know I have not walked this perfectly and always treated everyone like I want to or should. And so it brings this repentance and this humility to say, oh, Lord, like, forgive us for missing your heart so majorly. And um, I think Ezekiel 34 really sums that up and really hits the passion and the commitment that God has for it. So I just really appreciate you bringing that perspective to us and to those who are listening. And so um, we want to offer you a couple resources, guys, um, that we feel like would be beneficial. But before we do, is there any 
um, additional or closing thoughts, Tiffany, that you had? Um, I think for me in that Ezekiel passage, one of the things that sticks out the most is, you know, I, I get people say Old Testament is Old Testament, but God's word never returns void. It doesn't say that the New Testament never returns void. God's word never returns void. And in there, he made a very clear and distinct promise that he will gather those who were lost, that he will bind up their wounds, that he will care for them. So if it is my intention to follow after the things that are on God's heart, then that needs to be my mission too to gather those who are hurting, those who are broken, which is part of the reason why we have the Unseen Collective, to bring voice to those who have been silent about whatever has made them feel excised and left out, um, what, whatever has left them in the margins, to gather that brokenness together so God can begin to truly heal it from the root and the body of Christ can get her life together and really be prepared for what God has in store for us. So I love, I love, I love that there is a promise to hold on to. And as leaders, I think we need to be intentional. Just like Ty was saying about checking our heart, because not a single one of us is above slipping up and injuring someone else. Not one of us. And the second that we believe we are, we, we've fallen into pride and arrogance. And pride always comes before the fall. So we really need to be intentional about moment by moment heart checks so that we can be a part of the promise aspect of it, that God will bring healing to his people and he will gather up the lost. We, we've got to stop being afraid of, you know, confronting it head on because for too long we dance around issues because they're uncomfortable um, and that gives the enemy room to keep playing. But if I step up to something face on, then there's no space between the two of us where the enemy has any room. And it's always God who goes before me. So he fills in that gap. So I just I want that also to be an encouragement and a challenge to us as leaders to be a part of the promise being lived out because it's meant for now. It's not meant for 3000 years from now. The quicker we get our lives together, the quicker Jesus can come back for a prepared bride. But we need to do our part to get there, driven Definitely. by the spirit. And if I could just piggyback off that real quick, um, Ty, for a quick second, um, being intentional and and also challenging yourself to have these difficult conversations. Like this conversation is just way too quick for something so deep. So I know that we're gonna have more conversations on this. But if we can do anything, as you hear this, as a person who is hearing this, can we challenge you or to have conversations to try to figure out? What is happening in your body of faith, in your, in your local churches? Are they having conversations? Can people recognize abuse? Um, can your members distinguish it? Uh, what are the protocols set in place? What Are people free to speak about what they're going through? The members that are sitting, because we can't be uh, naive and think, not in my church, there's no one here that's experiencing anything like this. Because many times what's happening is that they're sitting in the benches, they're sitting in the chairs, wondering, I wonder, this doesn't feel right. And then they'll go Google it or they'll go YouTube a video. Does your church have the proper things to acknowledge and be able to determine this is what abuse looks like and this is what it sounds like and these are the steps that we as a congregation will take. Have these conversations, start having these conversations because guess what? 
God is going to continue moving things around. And we need to allow him. We can't just speak about things, right? We need to demonstrate action. And we need to, as his body, be passionate about the things that he is passionate. Love the people as he loves the people. So we need to be intentional about having these conversations so that people can understand that change is happening. That we're not just going to continue ignoring this. So I I challenge them to have those difficult conversations. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, there are so many workplaces and jobs the, that are within the secular field that have no problem training all of their employees to know the signs of abuse, to know what it looks like, sounds like, smells like, and has a reporting process and a, a disciplinary right. process if those come mm-hmm. within the company. Um, and to your point, um, that should be become part of our process as a body of Christ. And in in fact, in the letters of Paul, he clearly lays out disciplinary action against elders and leaders Mm -hmm. who cross Mm -hmm. the line. So this is not outside of scripture. This is not some sort of new modern day uh, issue or solution or us caving to culture. This is actually us leaning into the gospel and leading into kingdom culture and so I love that you brought that up. So guys, the, like Yeralma said, this is not going to be uh, the only conversation that we have about this or the only podcast that we'll have. There will definitely be more because this is a multifaceted conversation. There's no way we can hit this all. Uh, we do want to encourage you, if you're in an abusive um, relationship of any kind, but particularly in this context within church, that there you are in a physically... Um, or something of harm, please report that to your local authorities mm-hmm. right away. Um, that's something that you don't want to hold on to. If you are in um, potentially being harmed physically, please report that right. to the police um, and to your local authorities. But we have some resources for those who say, you know what, it's not physical, but there is um, abuse of power. There are power dynamics that are really being used to harm me and my family. Uh, we want to encourage you to work through whatever denominational systems that you have and to research that. For those of us who are within the Foursquare Church, um, thankfully, we're beginning to address this and we're beginning to bring this to the forefront. And so we're encouraging people to send their story to an email address, which is just my story at foursquare.org. And they have set up a response team to respond to those stories and to begin to look into it and to begin to help people uh, even through um, counseling and whatnot and to provide resources for them. Uh, We are super excited next month. We won't be hitting on this particular topic, but next month we're going to have Dr. Doretha O'Quinn, who is the author of uh, just a powerful book that we've all read and gained from called Silent voices, powerful stories. And we have the book that will be in the show notes of this podcast where you can take it, read it. encourage you to do that before our next um, podcast where she joins us. And we're going to be able to hear more from her and potentially even on this topic, but beyond. Uh, She is a um, powerful speaker, pastor, educator. You're not going to want to miss that 
as well as we have an Instagram account. You can find us at official unseen collective at Instagram and you can find us there um, and follow us. That way you can keep in the loop of our online gatherings that we have monthly, as well as this podcast, as well as just um, breaking news whenever we feel like there are things that we need to speak to and shine a light on. So we encourage you to connect with us at all of those points. We're available to you. And uh, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Thanks, Tiffany. Thanks, Eralma. And uh, we'll see you guys all next time. Bye.